This is FBG Jen and FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margo, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. We're happy to say that Veridesk is a proud sponsor of the Fit Bottomed Girls podcast and our go-to choice for an active workspace. Veridesk quickly and easily transforms your desk into a standing desk, and you can try it all risk-free for 30 days with free shipping both ways. Find out more at veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I-desk.com. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Today, our special guest is Dina Welch is our interview today. And on the line, we have Jen. Hey. <laughs> and we have Kristen. Hi, guys. So Dina is an energy worker. And actually, Kristen, you have a connection with her. Can you tell us a little bit about her for our audience? Uh, sure. So I have known Dina since fourth grade. I changed schools and walked into her classroom. And basically, we just pretty much immediately hit it off. I think we both really liked wearing hats and listening to new kids on the block. So, you know, <laughs> those are really good things to build a friendship on. And and yeah, so we've, we've remained friends ever since. And then um, a few years ago, when she started kind of delving in, into doing some energy work, you know, it's it's a little out there for a lot of people and, you know, and it was for her too. So it was really interesting to share that, that experience with her to the extent that I could and just watch her grow and support her and, and see what she kind of did with it. And, you know, now she's created like a whole business where she, you know, she does online courses and works one-on-one with people and, and she's got a background as a teacher, which she's been doing for a long time. And, so that really, I think, I think that really helps her in being able to communicate what it, what it is she does and how she's able to help people, you know, in this kind of like alternative healing realm in a way that a lot of people probably wouldn't really be able to, to do. So yeah, it's, it's been really exciting to watch this happen like as her friend, but then, you know, just also as someone who is super into the idea of looking at the different ways that, um, that a person can heal oneself and, you know, because health is about a lot more than just like, you know, staying in shape, fitting into, you know, a certain size, eating kale, like, you know, that we've got a whole, <laughs> we have a whole uh, blog about it, uh, Fit Bottom Zen in, you know, there's just, there's so much involved. So I'm really excited that we were able to have her on the show. Yeah, so she talks, she wants to, dis, what I say in the intro is that she's out to demystify all things hippy-dippy. And showing the world mm-hmm. how energy can work and help you make your life better and more positive. And I really enjoyed our discussion today because she, she was talking about low vibrations and high vibrations. And I just want to know, like, what are some of the highlights of this interview for you guys? For me, I love, I, well, I love talking to her all the time because she really does take, like, things that seem really, really far out there. And maybe in some ways they kind of are. But she puts them in really understandable terms that are really practical. So it's not like you know, lay on a table and then have like, I don't know, like see colors, like maybe you do that, but really it's more like she talks about in the interview, um, 
what she does as a mom and what she does as a business owner and just when she's busy, it was a concept called segment intending. And that was a phrase I'd never heard before, but it's basically where she, you know, goes and you'll hear her talk about it, but she checks in with herself and was like, okay, like, how am I right now on a scale of one to 10 and giving and receiving? And then what do I want to, what do I really want to do in this moment? What do I need? And then how can I honor that? And I think so many of us spend our lives, you know, rushing from one thing to other or try one thing to another or trying to go through our to-do list that it's really easy to kind of lose sight of yourself and your day in a lot of ways and just kind of be a slave to the the busyness and and the hustle when really you know it it, it doesn't have to take meditating or um you know getting a massage or like this really big thing to relax it really can just be taking a breath and taking a moment to be like, dude, how do I feel? What do I need? I think it's very, very practical. And I, I love so much that she that she had to stay there. What about you guys? Um, you know, I liked, uh, we started pretty much right off, I think, talking about the ideas of energy as like something that you have, you know, like I have saying that I have the energy to go run a marathon or, oh my gosh, I have no energy. I just want to lay on the couch. And how that is both related to and also separate from your energy system and, you know, like the, all of that, um, you know, which is something that I, I think that that's going to be really helpful for people who maybe um, are not super familiar with energy work, but are curious about it. And, and, you know, it really, I thought that was a really nice breakdown. How about you, Margo? I, I like the fact that we talked about, and I, I, I think about this, like people being in your body and being present in the moment with what you're doing because it's so easy to get distracted and you could be doing one thing and really your mind is like a thousand miles away thinking of something else and that kind of interferes with your enjoyment of life and really living life to the fullest. So I like the way she laid that out in the interview. I thought she was really wise. So this is a little different than what we normally cover. It's so, so almost a little bit outside my box. I think you guys are a little bit more into this box than me. But I know I've done acupuncture in the past. And I was a little skeptical when I went in there. I had a back issue. But I found it incredibly helpful. And I have a friend who actually uses acupuncture for fibromyalgia and has found it very, very helpful. So what, have you guys ever tried other, other kinds of alternative healings? And what has been your experience? Yeah, and that's what, I mean, with this interview, definitely people, like, try to go in with an open mind because it is outside of what we normally do, but it's a really cool conversation, and then give us feedback on what you think of everything, um, and if you want us to go into more other areas, I think we totally could. Yeah, like, I used um, acupuncture, actually, to get pregnant with my daughter, so my husband and I both underwent acupuncture treatments for fertility, and, I mean, I have a daughter, so I think that kind of... <laughs> speaks for itself but I and I actually know a lot of other people that have used have used it um and really you know to with good results and it's so funny because you know you're laying on a table and then they just I mean they just stick needles in you in different points and it is a really really interesting experience um but that's all about chi and balancing energy and and all of that what about you Kristen well so I I did a um a trip to to Europe recently, and I I just wrote about this. Um, I don't know if it'll be live on the site by the time this interview goes live. It probably will be. But uh, so I I really struggle with jet lag because like if I'm tired, I am just tired, and there's no salvaging it. And I 
like if I really need to go to sleep, I'm going to just go to sleep. Like I will find a corner and put my head down and be done. Um, and so I was really worried because we had this flight um, that landed in London um, mid morning. And I was like, I, I really need to stay awake during the day and just kind of like get onto that schedule. And I wanted to make the most of that day because at that point I thought it was going to be my only day there. Um, so a friend of mine who's a chiropractor, Kristen Shiver, she she was like, oh, you know, when I went to Vietnam um, several, well, many years ago, I think, um, she went with this big group and half of them did acupressure on their orrery points um, in order to uh, uh, adjust, in order to readjust their, uh, reset their body clock to the time zone that they were going to be in um, versus the one that they had just come from. And she said it was like half their group did that, half the group didn't. And it was a really straight split between the people who were successful and, uh, or the people who landed and were able to just like pick up and go and spend their day like normal human beings and the people who got off the plane and were, you know, falling asleep because they were zombies. And it was directly split between the people who had used this uh, method and the people who hadn't. So I was like, cool, I'll try it because I would like to just not have to drink all the coffee. (laughs) And you guys, it it was like, it was like magic, Um, but not magic because there's, you know, science and all of that behind it. But um it was, it was amazing. It was just every two hours you apply pressure for two minutes to different points on your body that correspond with where the, basically the peak energy flow is um, along your meridians. And at, you do that during, you know, during the whole flight. Um, and also there's a mental aspect where you're picturing yourself in the place where you're going at the time of day that it is in that place. And I mean, I got off the plane. I was like, cool let's go get some breakfast and do some sightseeing and we just kind of kept kept up with the day and um met a friend at a pub at the end of the day had some dinner went to bed around 10 o'clock which is about when I go to bed normally and everything was cool so yeah I I am all for keeping an open mind and trying new things and you know I I was really skeptical because I didn't think I was going to be able to do it to myself I've had great yeah. luck with like, chiropractic and um, and acupuncture and stuff, but with you know people who know what the hell they're doing, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> not with me. So that was that was super cool. And well, then I, I should think... also say that I, like I've done a lot of work with Dina because I've known her forever, and um, yeah, I mean I owe her a, a huge debt of gratitude for things that she's helped me with, uh, both personally and professionally, and you know down to like successfully selling my last house, like you know, she has been a huge help. So, um, so yeah, I'll second that Dina's kind of magic. I mean, she's kind of, she's kind of magical. Um, but just to maybe circle this around back to, um, healthy living and weight loss in the interview, I'm just remembering, she does touch a little bit on possibly helping people like how sometimes a lot of these like energetic blocks or just, or you can also just kind of think of them as even as, as thought patterns, I think too or just perceptions of ourselves that hold us back um, from reaching our goals, from losing the weight, from making a healthy decision and stuff that we've just been conditioned in our past to do. And it makes me think of uh, this, oh my gosh, the milkshake study, Kristen. It makes me think of the milkshake <laughs> study. Yep. So <laughs> there's, we'll put, we can put the link in here. Um, th- there's a milkshake study 
that um, NPR actually made a video out of it, and the video was like super cool because um, it breaks it down in a really easy way, and it looks at you know um, hormones and hunger levels and all these things happening in the brain. That's basically just because people think that they're drinking either a diet product or a really really like creamy indulgent shake, and their body reacts in a way based on their thoughts. So I think for anyone who's super you know skeptical or, or you know doesn't maybe thinks this is too woo woo is again to give it a chance because there is just so much that we don't understand that I think it's just a really fascinating world and again I think Dina gives really good practical practical tips but the milkshake study I like the information she gave. Like I said, this is all kind of new to me, but I found it very interesting and I, I could follow along and I, I definitely want to think about some of her advice and how I could apply it to my life, you know, and maintaining my energy levels. So what do we say? We just go into the interview today. Let's do it. You guys enjoy. Did you know that being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health, reduce back pain, boost energy, and increase both your metabolism and your productivity? true story. And our favorite way to get those benefits is with Veridesk. See for yourself at veridesk.com. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com. Dina Welch is an energy worker, teacher, soon-to-be author, and creator of selfhealingschool.com. She is on a mission to demystify all things hippy-dippy, how energy work can help you make positive and fast changes in any area of your life and career even when nothing else has worked. Through her online courses, group programs, and VIP client services, Dina's down-to-earth approach empowers people to take control of their energy, ditch their emotional baggage, and transform their lives so they can fulfill their life's true purpose. She's here today to talk about all things dealing with energy. Welcome to the show, Dina. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. And I want to say yo before Kristen gets a chance to do it (laughs) (laughs) part of the podcast so yo (laughs) so on the line this is Margo and we have Jen I mean what are we supposed to say now if we can't say yo (laughs) (laughs) hi guys and Kristen holla (laughs) there you go (laughs) so Dina I'm the lucky one I get to ask you the first question So tell us a little bit about the energy system and what you do and how you work with clients. So kind of like, let's say, Energy 101. Right, right. So I love this question. Obviously, I get it all the time. And what people really want to know is not so much about the energy system, like the chakras and all that stuff, but they want to know, like, how does it show up in daily life, right? So um, we can talk chakras, certainly. But I think that people can most understand energy work as it relates to like what's going on in daily life. And right now you can kind of see how um, we're at like a a different kind of place in the world right now. You know, we've got social media, we've got stuff going on um, politically, and we have women who are kind of rising to the top and really coming out with, you know, leaving a legacy and and doing their, their real work. And so the energy system is a way that it's kind of like our secret power and it's starting to become more and more mainstream. And a lot of the people that come to me, you know, say, well, how do, how do I make my chakras work and how do I do this with my energy system? But really the deeper question they're wanting to know is how do I find meaning, right? How do I connect with my deep, my true purpose in life? How do I show up with my kids in a way that feels really good? And I'm not like tearing out my hair and losing my mind, right? How, how do I on a day-to-day basis 
use my energy and now end up on the couch with five glasses of wine, you know, curled up watching Netflix, trying to rally for the next day. And so really that's what the energy system does. It allows us to um, really connect in with what we came here to do and then do it during the day. So, and I think a lot of people when, especially for people that are like into um, working out and healthy living, like, you know, you want to eat in a way that gives you energy. You want to work out mm-hmm. in a way that gives you energy. You want to rest and sleep and recover so that you have energy. Can you kind of maybe just differ- differentiate between like having the energy to do something versus energy fields or are they, are they the same thing? Yeah, it, it is a little bit of the same thing, but it's also a little bit different. Right. And that's the thing. Um, a little background on me, I've been a sign language interpreter for about 10 years. And so I really come to understand that two people can be talking about very different things and think they're talking about the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. So as we kind of go through this interview, we'll just kind of check in and make sure that we're talking about the same stuff. But as a mom, right, because I'm a mom, I have a limited amount of energy during the day, right? The stuff that I wake up in the morning and I'm tired and, you know, I've got to go to work all day and then I get home and I got to make dinner and I've got to make sure that stuff's ready for tomorrow. And so that kind of energy is what I'm, what I think many moms are aware of during the day, right? That we feel more tired or we feel more exhausted or we feel like we've got more energy that day, but that's not so different from what we talk about when we talk about the energy field or the energy that we carry around us. And so the way that Um, when we start learning about the energy field and we start learning about understanding and caring for our own energy, it actually becomes the exact same thing. But in order to make sure that we have enough energy to survive our day, right, without being completely Mm -hmm. exhausted, we have to understand the energy that comes through us and to us and how to best utilize it so that we have enough of it during the day. So like if I break it down into um, terms of a, a workout or exercise, if I am running a marathon, right? And I'm, I'm doing some long mileage and I'm training for like um, a 13 mile run that day, let's say. I have to understand that I have 13 miles to run that day and I have enough energy within my body to be able to do it because I've been training and working out. But the really important thing here to keep in mind is that we can use lots of different things like our mindset. We can use obviously food and exercise to increase our energy and to uh, make it make it more efficient. So that's kind of where we hit this intersection of the energy that we have during the day, the energy that we need to get our stuff done during the day, mm-hmm. and then this other part of our energy field and how they can combine to really uh, kind of support and infuse one another so that we can have, like I have said before, more meaning um, and more connection with the people in our lives. Okay. So what's vibration got to do with it? Cause I know when you talk about, and keep it clean y'all. Yeah. I was like, um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, like you're on social, you're raising your vibe. And so I know that vibration is really important with all of your work. So I'm just wondering, can you give us some examples of things or feelings or emotions that are high vibration versus low vibration? And on top of that, because I really like my multi-part questions, can we raise our own vibration? And do we have any control over the vibration of the the people and things around us? What's vibration got to do with it? I feel like we need to break down in a dance move, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, obviously. What's that got to do with 
So vibration is the best way to look at this, I think, kind of with what Jen asked, is the energy that we carry with us during the day, there's different kinds of it, right? And if we're feeling overwhelmed and stressed, this is what I tend to refer to as low vibe, right? It feels kind of low, like low energy. It feels pretty stressful. It's lots of stuff is like there, but it's not really moving through us, right? So it leads to things like worrying. It leads to things like feeling really bad about that thing that happened last week and you can't quite get it out of your head and you wish you would have said that, you wish you would have said this and uh, that kind of ruminating, right, of thoughts. Um, I like that you say last week as if I'm not still thinking about the things from five years ago. Correct. Yeah. Correct. (laughs) Also also low vibe. But, you know, (laughs) that brings up a great point because what happens when we have this low vibe stuff within us is if we're not aware of this dynamic, it gets stored there. You know, just like your laptop, you store a document from five years ago and it's still there. It is still on your hard drive. And those low vibration stuff from, you know, like the stuff that happened in middle school, the stuff that happened in elementary school, um, it's still stored within you. And at a moment's notice, it can kind of come up to the surface and it can be be there. So with all the stuff that we're dealing with during the day, we're also dealing with stuff that happened years and years ago, happened last week, and, and the stuff that's happening in the moment. So anything that makes you feel icky, like that pit of your stomach, ugh, that's what I kind of refer to as low vibe. And we'll just put it into two categories for you know sake of ease here. That the more high vibe stuff is the the stuff that you feel like ah about right. So um, my happy place is anywhere near the water. And as soon as I walk up to the water, I step you know right up to the edge and I just take that breath and it's like ah. That to me is the high vibe stuff. And a lot of people that I talk to, a lot of my clients find those moments to be fairly few and far between, right? Where you're feeling really, really high vibe, where you kind of look around you and you're like, I am so grateful for the people in my life. And it's not just like, yeah, yeah, I'm grateful for the people in my life. It's like you feel it through your entire body. And probably one of the best ways or most common ways that this shows up is when we hug our kids or when we hug our pets, right? That feeling you get when you're just like, just, you know, into all that juicy love, you know, you're just feeling it so deeply through your body, that's more high vibe. And so more high vibe stuff might be um, acceptance. It might be love, joy, gratitude, uh, peace, or like a really slow pace. Um, Not that you're not getting stuff done and being productive, but that the pace of it feels slow enough that you can be really effective in everything you're doing. So those are the ways I kind of differentiate the high vibe and the low vibe. And the low vibe, I kind of, you know, view that just like I said, with the, the documents that we store on our laptop, right? We're kind of like carrying it around with us, stuff from like way, way, way back. And if we don't want that stuff there, then we need to bring it up and actually put it in the trash, right? If we don't want the document there, we bring it up and we put it in the trash on our laptop. And so that's one of the ways that we raise our vibe is really finding those things that we're still carrying around that we never learned how to process through. We never learned how to get rid of. Um, We might've had well-meaning adults in our life be like, get over it, right? This terrible thing happened and you need to get over it. Or, you know, we had a situation as a child where we were really excited about something and then we got teased for it. And so, you know, Uh that, that stuff, like we didn't know what to do. Right. It's It's such a common experience. Like nobody leaves childhood unscathed. Like it happens to everybody and it's hard. And so those moments when they're, you know, stored within us, 
we can actually go back within the energy system and pinpoint them and clear them up, let them process, because we didn't know how to do that as kids. Nobody ever taught us how. Kristen had one other one, like a three-part question. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's awesome. The You mentioned the others. Can we affect other people with our vibration? Yeah. How do I make everybody else awesome? How, yeah. So my question was always like, how can I make my husband like not drive me crazy? How can I make my kids do what I want? Right. And that's how so many people come to me. They're like, how can I make my family not make me crazy? Well, the short answer is you can't, um, because everybody has their own free will and everybody, and we wouldn't want to, right. But, well, maybe we would, but really that wouldn't work out for us in the long run anyways. But the only way that we can influence each other is if we first, handle our own stuff, right? So we show up really, really connected. We show up really clear. <clears throat> we show up making sure that we have everything set within us so we're not kind of dumping our stuff on the people around us. And when we do that, when we show up really clear and we breathe and we're very intentional about each interaction that we have, people around you start to change instantly just because you showed up in that way and we're breathing. It's really, really cool to see. So just following up with Kristen's thought there about the vibration situation, especially low vibration, I have a very good friend of mine that's in a low vibration situation that she really can't do anything about in the immediate, right? It's, she's in a, in a job situation that's really painful for her. So if you can't immediately fix it, let's just say, how do you, what can they do? Such a good question. Well, there's different kinds of low vibe situations, so there's the situation that you're kind of in in the moment that's going to be over fairly soon, right? Like uh, a meeting that might not be particularly fun to go into um, versus more ongoing situation, like you're saying a job or a divorce or something like that. And so if you're going into a short-term situation or a long-term situation, I think the answer is, is very much the same of being able to prepare yourself for those situations and the things that are going to come up. So that means what I call showing up right and tight with your energy and doing the things that you need to do to make sure you're clear and you're centered and you're grounded and you're able to show up in a way that uh, suggests that, that you're clear and centered and grounded. If, if it's an ongoing job type of situation where she's you know there because of the money, let's say, or whatever reason, and is going into these situations feeling going into the job situations every day, feeling like she doesn't want to be there, mm -hmm. that, that is very, very challenging. And that's how a perfect example of how do we take this work and bring it down into the daily practice, right? And some people are like, oh, God, daily practice. Do I, I don't want to deal with daily practice. But <laughs> in order to be able to show up in those places and make the best of it, there has to be work done ahead of time. It just it has to happen. The way you show up is going to influence the way you experience those situations every time. So, okay. So with all of that in mind, because that's super awesome, is there ever a time where it is good to be at a low vibe or appropriate? And we've had other people, like we had one guest who was like, yeah, sometimes you just kind of need to have a bad day. You know, you need to embrace mm -hmm. the suck. I don't what's your take on that. <laughs> well, Kristen and I talk sometimes about the days where we hide under the covers with nachos. <laughs> That is so much part of, you know, the day-to-day -day life of, of being a mom or, you know, being a dad or showing up in the world and, you know, doing your job, whatever, whatever your quote unquote babies are. So, yeah, I think that 
is it good or bad to be in a low vibe situation? I, I would be more inclined to say that it happens, right? And so when, when, for example, I have stuff go on in my life, because I do all the time, I mean, we all do, I, I'll do the nachos. <laughs> That's what <laughs> yeah. makes me feel better. I am not beyond emotional eating. In fact, it works really well for me a lot of times. <laughs> but the thing that I think is important is to recognize that when those low vibe situations come up, I pay attention to them while they're challenges and I, I, I process through them, right? Like I take action if I need to, I figure out what I feel about it. I work the energy around it. I work the energy around myself and I do that before they become problems because the problems are the ongoing things that pop up um, over and over and over. And we feel like, man, I thought I dealt with that. Why is this still mm -hmm. happening to me? Like, I, th I thought this was something that I had healed or like I went to therapy about this for five years. Why is this still coming up? So those are more of the problems that were never actually processed through fully. They might have been processed through in varying degrees. But really letting myself say, okay, hey, yeah, this is something that is not fun. And I'm going to go ahead and have some nachos and just like allow it to suck. And then I'm going to go ahead and figure out, you know, how I'm going to process through it. How am I going to approach it? What am I going to do about it? And then let it go. Because the thing that I think so many of my clients who come to me really don't understand, and I feel like this is such an empowering piece of the work that I do, is true emotion, you know, like anger or sadness, it really only lasts like 30 to 90 seconds, right? Which is not very long. But the thing is, is if we have something happen to us where we feel really, really sad. And then we start thinking about it. And then we start thinking about the other time that we were sad. And we start thinking about the time that this happened like two days ago and five days ago. And ten, all of a sudden, we've taken something that could be like 60 minutes of us just feeling sad and turned it into something that like we cry about for hours and hours and hours, right? And so instead of processing it through and just feeling sad and then letting it move on, we kind of hang on to it. And we push it away. And we don't want it to be there. And why does this happen to me? When that happens, it's really important to let it just be there and trust that it's going to go away. Right? So like my little girl, when she falls off her bike or she broke her arm uh, recently, and she just was laying there and breathing. And everybody in the office at school was like, is she okay? Oh, my gosh, is she okay? What's going on? And she said, my mom told me that when things hurt really bad, to just breathe because it won't last forever. So that's what I'm doing. And I was like, mom, mm -hmm. win. Mom, Seriously. <laughs> mom, win. But that's the point is that if we can just breathe as that stuff goes through and not think about it, not make it into a bigger deal than it really is, then it will go through. And we can return to that place where we feel really good about life. And we're like, yeah, that was a challenge today. But be really steady within the day. Like I had four challenges today but it felt like a really good day. Mm -hmm. So Dina, you talk a lot about being in your body. And I think that's a concept that might sound just maybe a little woo woo to some of our listeners. So, um, and I know that that's not your jam. Um, you don't want to be like too, too woo woo. So can you explain this in a way that folks who maybe aren't familiar with energy work can understand it a little bit more clearly or, you know, maybe picture it a little bit more easily. Yeah, yeah. So being in your body, it does. It sounds woo-woo. It sounds hippy-dippy. And a lot of this stuff does, which is why it's hard to, you know, talk about some of it and 
experiencing it actually makes more sense. But being in your body is this, this idea that you have to like literally feel yourself in your body. <laughs> For some people, this is really groundbreaking. It's like, well, what do you mean I need to feel myself in my body? But if you think about it and just kind of take a deep breath right now and feel yourself in your feet. Like, don't look at your feet, don't wiggle your toes, but actually, like, feel yourself in your feet. Or, if you can't quite do that, just hold your hand out in front of you and see if you can wiggle your fingers and, like, actually feel some kind of tingling or some kind of, like, pulsing within your hand. That is the whole idea of being in your body. Now, what people might understand better is what it's like to be out of your body, right? So, being out of your body is... Uh, a sense that you are kind of like chasing your day, right? Like I have this to do and I have this to do and I have this to do and I have this to do. So that's being out of your body. Um, the, the feeling that one might have if they are um, kind of watching themselves or like watching what's happening from a different spot, like being outside of their body and kind of watching a situation unfold or like watching things happen. Some forms of deja vu, like, oh my gosh, this has kind of happened before. That's so weird. Can, can mean that you're out of your body. Uh, one of the common ones I had, because I spent a great deal of my life out of my body was getting hurt. Like I would shut fingers in drawers. I would slam my foot in the door. I would like smash my elbow. Um, I used to hit my head all the time, <laughs> all the time. And those are, to me, classic symptoms that we're not in our body and we're kind of somewhere around outside of it. And the reason that this happens is because so many times women are body shamed or um, are taught that their body is in a safe place to be. So whether that's, you know, some kind of physical trauma, sexual trauma, emotional trauma, whatever, they have had this, um, made this unconscious decision that, yeah, my body is not safe. So I'm just going to kind of like not be in it. And a particularly heart-driven, heart-centered, um, or very intelligent women will experience this too, because they kind of live in their head, right? They think about everything, they ruminate about everything, like they're living in their heads and in their brains. Um, or our caregivers who are, you know, living in our brains, but they have this really big heart, and so they will live from their heart and their head on up. But to actually get in their body and feel themselves in their feet and feel themselves, you know, sitting in the chair that they're in, that's a whole nother ballgame for a lot of women. Men too, but this really affects women more, I think, than uh, men based on the people that I've worked with. So I find this as an instructor, I teach a spin class uh, Mondays and Fridays at 7 a.m. And I could tell the ones that are in the room and that are not in the room, if you know what I mean. Like some, some of them are just pedaling their feet. And they're not really mm -hmm. working out. So, so talking about being in your body and how it can help in different circumstances, can you speak to that, especially in physical fitness? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you. When I go and do strength training, I can see that too. And I even notice when I'm in it and when I'm not. You know, I'm doing bicep curls and I'm like somewhere outside of my body, like, can we get this over with? <laughs> this is really, really painful. So it, it is all about awareness and intention. You know, when, when we have those moments, when we're working out and we feel disconnected or we feel a little bit, you know, dizzy or flighty or not quite there, or um, we're off in our thoughts instead of like pedaling the bike in the spin class, that, that is the difference. And actually, you know, 
having that moment of awareness, like, oh, I am thinking about all the things I have to do as soon as I am done with this class. I'm going to go ahead and really focus on feeling my feet and these pedals. And I'm going to really grip that steering wheel so I can feel, you know, or the handlebar so I can really feel my fingers doing that. And I'm going to really feel my, my seat on this, um, the bike seat and, and kind of get back in that way. And I know for myself when I'm doing this, my workouts are way more effective but the other thing that happens, and it goes back to what Jen was talking about with the energy, if we are in our body during the day, during workouts, uh, during our meetings, during our interactions with our kids, then we are able to better utilize the energy that we have during the day, right, to get all the stuff done that we need to get done. And by that, I mean, if we are out of our bodies, it's like driving our car being outside of it, right? Kind of like reaching in through the window and steering the car and like running along side of it. It's just not a very effective way to drive a car. But if we actually like climbed into the window and sat in the car and we're like fully in the car, we could use the pedals easier. We could use the radio. We could like relax in the seat. You know, you can drive with your knee. I'm just kidding. But you get the idea. So what about, okay, you said you have, you have two kids. So you're, you're obviously a mom parenting <laughs> mm-hmm. talk about how much moms and caregivers like give and give and give and give and give what from like a very practical level what can moms and parents do just to kind of keep their tank full so that they do have the patience and they do have the energy to to be there to be conscious to be in their body <laughs> oh the struggle <laughs> is real man the mom yeah. struggle is real So the thing that I tend to rely on the most is uh, checking in with myself throughout the day, because I know that when I am giving, 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 the more I give, the more empty my tank gets and the more resentful I am, right? And then that just leads to a whole bunch of stuff that nobody wants to see, like snapping at my kids, yelling at my husband, like nobody wants that. So one of the things that I do. I I try to do it every hour. I don't always, but I really try is to just check in and ask myself on a scale of 10, how much am I giving? Like one being not very much and 10 being like I'm maxed out. And I give myself a number on that. And then I'll come in and check in at the same time and say, okay, well, what's, what level am I receiving right now? A one being not receiving very much and a 10 being like, I'm, you know, full and complete and I'm feeling great. And so the discrepancy in those scores is very, very telling. Mm. So if I'm giving, you know, at six o'clock, I have been, I'm in a helping profession. I've been giving all day. I get home, I'm giving, you know, baby's crying. It's, and I'll feel myself kind of get into that place, right? Where I can feel myself start to rumble and I'll give myself a score. It's usually like an eight or nine. And then I'll be like, okay, well, what's my receiving score? generally like a two or a three, right? Like, you know, that feeling where it's like, oh, I've given so much and I just, I need to go to the bathroom or like whatever the case may be. And so if I notice that my score of giving is a nine and my score of receiving is a two, that is a recipe for resentment. And that is a recipe for like lashing out, freaking out, melting down for me. And so then I figure out how am I going to make scores more balanced, right? Um, so If my husband's home, I'll usually signal him with a tap out. Like we literally high five and like I'm, I'm tapping out. And so Mm -hmm. then I'll, (laughs) I'll take my two minutes 
And it generally works okay. Usually we don't have to tap out at the same time, although that has happened. Um, <laughs> You're like, no, really, I, I did it first, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, nope, I'm tapping out first. You, you have to go in. But then I'll go, and I do what I call um, segment intending, and it's just, like, a couple minutes of really deep breathing, and, like, one minute, two minutes, I, I breathe, and I just breathe, and I breathe. And as I'm doing that, I feel like tension in my shoulders. I feel the tension in my neck. Like that's where I usually carry the most stuff. That's where like my energy gets stuck generally is shoulders, neck, and jaw. And so I'll just breathe through that and try and like release it as best I can, right? Loosen it, let it relax. And then when I feel like I've got things flowing again, you know, and I feel like, okay, okay, I got this. This is, it's all good. It's all good. Then I will set an intention. Like how am I going to show up when I go back? What do I need to be able to do when I go back? And I'll make that really clear intention. Like when I go back, I'm going to show up in this way and I'm going to make sure that I notice this thing for me. So then when I go back, I will you know, use that intention, but also pay attention to the times that I'm not receiving. Mm-hmm. Right. And what, by, what I mean by that is like, you know, I have to sign my homework paper for my daughter and I have to make dinner and I have this baby on my hip who's crying. And, but where am I? And that's giving, 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 but where am I not taking in an opportunity to receive something back for what I'm giving? So I sign my homework paper and my eight year old's like, Hey, thanks mom. You know, and she kind of gives me a, like a side hug. Am I going to say, yep, no problem. And keep on doing the next thing. Or am I going to take a few minutes to like receive that side hug, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with my son when he starts crying and I'm fussing and like singing him a song. Am I gonna take a second to receive that smile and like that short, short pause of the crying? <laughs> or am I just gonna blow right through it? Because those are the important times during the day. Just like we breathe out, we have to breathe in, you know? And when we're giving out, we also need to find those times to receive in and to breathe in because otherwise it's just gonna be. Um, it's going to be off and we're going to feel, well, I feel resentful and angry and exhausted if I'm not more mindful about that. So are there ways, I mean, you sort of answered this with um, taking time with the, the segment intending, is that what you said? Mm -hmm. And breathing. But in terms of receiving, one thing I want to say is um, you did a post for us on this a few months ago and it's about receiving through your back And that is something that I have shared and we'll make sure to put it in the show notes, but that's something I have shared with so many people and like completely random people. I don't know how it always comes up, but it does. And it's, I've found it to be so helpful um, because I was always a, a short hugger and I've gotten much better about like receiving that. And I think I was really uncomfortable with it before um, because I didn't really know what that was, but Okay, I just digressed. Ignore. But uh, <laughs> I'm so good at this, guys. Gosh. Uh, so what if you don't have someone in your life from whom you feel you can receive? What if you really feel like you are alone? What if you don't have a dog or a cat or a child or a partner or a friend with whom you're close enough that you can say, you know, I, I, need, I need something from you? and you're comfortable receiving it, what, what can you do? Well, I think receiving love from other people or pets is one way to receive anything, right? So when you think of the giving and the receiving is like a breath out, 
of the giving and a breath in is the receiving, then breathing in can be pretty much anything. That receiving in can be pretty much anything. You know, it can be listening to a podcast that makes you laugh. It can be going outside and sitting in nature and really breathing it in, right? But just taking those moments throughout the day to do the in-breath and breathe in that stuff that you can receive because there's all kinds of opportunities to do this. We just have to catch them. We just have to catch them. And while, you know, the people that we live with and the animals that we live with, those are one of the most glaringly obvious ways to receive. There's many, many, many other ways. So it's all about finding, you know, what that currency is for you, what makes you feel better. And, you know, I think that self-care is something that comes up a lot in this arena with moms in particular. And um, some moms will say, well, you know, I go and get a petty and that makes me feel relaxed. But you know, receiving is a really hard thing for a lot of women because, you know, I had found myself going to get a pedicure and just kind of like being uncomfortable having somebody like do that, right? Being, being uncomfortable, being served and having somebody like scrub my dirty old feet. Like I, I wasn't even allowing myself to receive that because I felt so uncomfortable. So really yep. kind of, <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, you mentioned the hug, Kristen. I think that um, when we're paying attention to to our backs, you know, the receiving comes in through our backs and the back of our energy system so um, so much that a lot of women have issues of, of tightness in the back, right? Of just carrying like really tight back muscles. And I think that there is, I know that there is a correlation here, certainly, because it's our our body gives the tells, right? So if our back is tight, then that means we might not be fairly good at receiving. And so really relaxing your back and allowing some of that stuff to come in. If somebody were to give you a hug and they pat your back, notice if that makes you uncomfortable or can you find a way to receive that a little bit more? Um, Compliments. You know, I think people who give compliments need people who will receive them. You know, if you're giving a compliment to somebody and you're like, hey, it was so awesome when you did this and the person's like, yeah, yeah. But okay, whatever. That's not super fun to give a compliment to that person. It's like, no, but I said, you know, I said this was really awesome. Yeah, yeah, but whatever. Or if a friend wants to take you out and buy you lunch, you know, can you actually receive that and be grateful for it? Or is it more like, oh, well, I'll get you next time. Or, oh, you don't have to do that. Why did you buy me lunch? I don't, I don't, I feel so bad. Like, what, what is the level at which you're able to receive some of these things to offset how much you're giving because it's really, really important. And then I'm just going to pop in with a thought. Um, we were talking when we were talking to um, Danielle Laporte for a podcast episode. She was like, I, I asked her something about boundaries or giving, or I came up in a conversation and she was like, yeah, she's like, I want to be more generous. Like I don't, you know, I don't want to limit like my giving. I want to be able to give more, but I think everything you're talking about, like, yeah, you can, you know, like, don't overgive people, please. That's different, you know, than being truly generous, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. So the more we can receive, be open to that and get it, and then we can, you know, do more good things in the world. Well, yeah. And it's all about the, you know, awareness and the intention of that whole dynamic, right? That's why I was saying I do the check-in with myself on a scale of one to 10, because 
I hear so many people, and I've been on the receiving end of this, so many people saying, you need to slow down. You know, you need to not be giving so much. You need to not be like doing so much. And I was like, what? <laughs> I want to <laughs> give this much. Like I, I am in a helping profession and I, I'm, uh, have been a teacher for 16 years. And so I, my, I want to give that's, that's where I feel the strongest, but in order to give at the level in which I am on this planet, to give, right? The generosity that, that you mentioned mm-hmm. in order to be able to give generously with no agenda and feel really good about it and be able to give things that actually help other people and empower other people and benefit other people. Like you have to be really, really aware of how full or how empty or combination of the two you are, because otherwise it comes at a very high cost to the giver if they're giving and trying to be generous from a place of having really nothing left to give, or if they're so full because they're able to, you know, find these opportunities to receive during the day and then they can give from that space. It's kind of like a, um, going to a buffet, right? Like mm-hmm. if they're filling that buffet line and every time you go up there, it's like, Oh, you've always got the hot chicken and you've got the mashed potatoes that don't have like that crusty ring around the edge of the pan, you know, and you can like eat all the stuff that you want. But if you've ever been to a buffet where like the, the food's been sitting there for a while, like, hey, nobody want that buffet. That's no good. That is <laughs> the worst buffet ever. You want the stuff that like people are stirring, and, like the hot stuff's coming out. And, you know, you don't want the nasty stuff. You got to scoop the bottom of the, the pan to get. And so it's that same kind of thing. When you're able to bring that receiving stuff in, you can be so much more generous. It isn't about being less generous or taking time away or finding the balance. It's about being balanced and calling that stuff in so that you can actually give more that and have it feel good to give that. Yeah. To give more and be generous. So what are some easy ways people can better connect to their intuition? Intuition is a superpower that everybody has that we don't always give enough credit to. And when we are not not fully in our body, we cannot hear it very well. So what I mean by that is sometimes people will confuse intuition with thinking logically or, you know, speaking their truth or, you know, doing what they think they should do. But intuition is this really, really soft, gentle voice that is so, so powerful And when we learn how to line up with that knowing, right, that inner sense, that knowing, we're able to turn the volume up on that. So we have more access to it all day long. And our intuition is something that it it will never fail you. Like it will always find the win-win in any situation. So if you've got one of those really tricky things that are happening at work or tricky things that are happening in a relationship, if you're connected to your intuition and acting on it, you're going to be able to find the win-win of that situation without fail every time. Connecting to it can be a little more difficult because if we're not in our body or if we are practiced in just thinking and being in our head, then we're going to miss the cues from our intuition. And so really taking that time to, you know, do that segment intending, right? If I'm going into a place where I really want to be clear and I really want to, you know, use my intuition to guide me or if it's particularly tricky or whatever the situation may be, 
I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to take some really deep breaths. I'm going to relax all the stuff that's tight in my body. And I'm going to set an intention. And that intention usually is to bring in the wisdom or to, you know, to listen to my intuition. And when you kind of get to that space, right, you'll realize that your intuition lives in that stillness. It's not in the noisy chatter of your brain, but it's in that stillness that you're able to find when, you know, you shut your eyes and you go into your body. I think shutting your eyes is really important because I heard somewhere that like 90% of the information that we take in is through our eyes. And so if we shut our eyes, we have more resources to focus on um, our intuition, which could come to us as, you know, a word that we kind of hear in our, our brains or like some knowings or um, I get a lot of feelings. My intuition communicates to me um, with feelings and images and visions and pictures. And so it becomes a matter of knowing how your intuition communicates with you. And very rarely is it through the chatter of your thoughts. So with everything going on in the news and in the world, do you, do you feel like, A, do you feel like your work is more important than ever? And B, how has it kind of changed maybe how you, how you work with people and, and what you do offer the world? You guys are asking some good stuff. This, <laughs> yeah, I think that everyone's work is important. I don't necessarily, so it's interesting, right? The work that I do, if I get too heady about it, I'm not able to do it as well. So what I've found is that I, I do my work and I show, and I, I do my work outside of work, right? What, so what I mean by that is like, I show up as 100% clear as I possibly can for every, every client I work with. And I like lay it all out in those sessions and I lay it all out in those, those programs and in those interactions. And then I leave it there. And then whatever is brought up for me personally on that, in that session, I do my own homework. Like I, I work on myself nonstop because in order to show up in the way that this work requires me to show up, I, I have to do the personal work. But the thing is, is I don't think this work is, you know, any different in a lot of ways is the work, you know, FBG is bringing into the world or the work other people are bringing into the world. And it's so, so important that especially, you know, in the times that we're in right now, that people are doing their work, right? Mm -hmm. They are bringing their work into the world in this really powerful way. Because the interesting thing about um, what we're talking about today, like energy and energetic vibration, is that if we are coming personally into interactions from a really high vibe place, and if we are also, or separate you know, thereof bringing our, our work into the world in this really high vibe place, we're able to offset tens of thousands of people acting in hatred, right? So what I mean by that is when I'm able to start with Dina, right? And I, I do all the stuff to clear my energy, to get crystal clear on my purpose, to um, show up every day in as high vibe of a place as I, I can and possibly show up in that day. When I walk into a room of people complaining about the news or, you know, doing this or that, my presence, I don't have to say a word, and, and this is anybody's, not just me, but the presence of high vibration inf- 
influences, positively influences and impacts anybody at a lower vibration. And you've experienced this. I know you have. Like, you go to the grocery store and you're kind of all like walking in your funk, right? Like, oh, this <laughs> thing happened and I've had this bad day. And then you see somebody who's like walking along, pushing their shopping cart, singing. And you're like, well, I feel a little bit better now. You know, <laughs> have you ever had that? Mm-hmm. Or you go to the gym and you're like, 5 a.m. workout and you're dragging and then your instructor's like hey come on it's time to work out and yeah sometimes you might be like wah, wah. no not every day it's time to work <laughs> but somewhere in you you feel a little bit better right and usually by the end of the workout you're like back to that high vibe place so I think it's really important here that to, everybody's work is important but the way we show up to that work is so so huge right now on social media can we show up in a high vibe place? You know, there's all kinds of like, I call it publicly processing problems, you know, like Mm -hmm. all this crap's happening. So I'm just going to dump it on social media. Or, you know, I have uh, witnessed some interactions in public where people are like, you know, venting or yelling at each other. It's just not pretty. It happens, but it's not pretty. And so if we can be really mindful about the energy that we're bringing into a space, including our work, then we can start shifting some of these things just by doing nothing other than showing up in a high vibe space. Everything else around us will shift too. It's like magic and it's awesome. So let's bring this around to, you briefly talked about like how this impacts, um, you know, when you're at the gym and all of that, but let's bring it around to workouts and healthy eating habits and all of that. Is it possible to, to clean, like, raise your vibration or clean up your energy and see results in terms of becoming healthier? Do you think strictly from the energetic side or does cleaning up the energy around all of that simply enable you to do more in terms of working out and eating healthfully and mindfully? And I'll also ask, like, I mean, have you worked with clients where it's been like maybe they really struggle with emotional eating or weight loss or something or just can't seem to motivate themselves to get to the gym and then all of a sudden you know you worked through this energy block this limiting belief or something and it just like completely changed them with the clients that I have worked with generally speaking they come with their thing you know that could be emotional eating and uh, being overweight that could come with a health problem that could come with a mental health problem that could come with, um, you know, they feel crappy all day, every day and are totally miserable and are searching for something that they can't quite put their finger on, you know, wanting some meaning in life. Like I, I, I love working with every single one of them because I, I can see, I can very clearly see what those blocks are. And that's exactly what we're able to release with the energy work. Because the way that energy works is that we store from a very young age all kinds of crap, right? Emotional baggage, gunky stuff, trauma, um, all kinds of things that show up for us later in life and often. And so as we're kids, you know, you see kids, they're so like light and carefree and everything's fine. And then you kind of see like the middle schoolers and the high schoolers and you're like, wow, what happened? Like, I used to be such a happy kid, right? <laughs> well, what happened is life and all of the stuff that we kind of collect as children. And, you 
know, an expectation of, you know, mom and dad to behave a certain way and, you know, a belief like, oh, my teacher told me that I'm not good at math. And, you know, we start collecting all of these things from people around us and they get stored within us, you know, in our quote unquote internal hard drive and we carry them with us. And every day we get more and every year we get more and more. And so by the time we get to be an adult, we have our own unique set of these beliefs and limiting beliefs and all this gunk that we've carried around with us. And then how that shows up in our life could be, you know, in one of those ways, like an eating problem or an eating disorder or, you know, issues with not wanting to work out or not seeing results when you do work out or um, like I said, mental health or physical health. And so really it's about two things. One, cracking that code. That, that's my special superpower. Like what are the biggest obstacles in your energy system? What beliefs are preventing you from the outcome you're wanting? What past traumas are preventing you from the outcome you're wanting? What is blocking your path to what you are most wanting? And so then in the, the sessions with clients, we go in and we find where they live in their energy system. System and we pop them out. We process through them and, and we eliminate them. And so once that happens, people are like, whoa, I feel so much lighter. I can't, I can't even believe, you know, this has happened. And it's really cool to see because what, what my job is, is to listen to my clients and figure out what it is that they most want, you know, not like what they kind of want or what they think they want, but like, what do you really, really, really want? And that can be a hard thing to uh, define sometimes. So we'll take some time to define that. And then once I figure out where they want to be, then we just reverse engineer back to where they are now. And that's part of the code cracking is that reverse engineering back and saying, okay, well, if you want this, then this belief has got to go. So the reverse engineering part is you want this, then we have to go through and we have to clear up and move out anything in that path that's preventing you from having what you want. Once people kind of start getting the awareness about how these limiting beliefs and how these, you know, energetic blocks and these, you know, traumas from the past and all the stuff that we've collected from our childhood, how that stuff is affecting them now, right? How it is, um, has been stored and stored and stored and there's not much storage space left and so that's why we're feeling, you know, all the things that we're feeling, we're, we're having mental health issues or physical health issues or um, problems with our weight is because we don't have any space left within us. Like our, our hard drive is full, no more storage. And so when we're um, mindful of that and like paying attention to that, we can start clearing some of those things out to create the space to be able to see some of these changes happen in real life. And so the number one thing clients will say to me is like, wow, I feel so much lighter or I'm able to be so much more productive during the day because I'm not, you know, getting in my own way. And so kind of hearing all of those things, um, all that feedback from the people that I've worked with, then we go back in and we fine tune like, okay, so I'm still struggling with this thing. You know, I can't get myself out of bed every morning to go to the gym. And that's the only time that I'm able to do it. We'll, we'll really dive in to the thoughts behind it and the beliefs behind it and the action behind it and start to do some tweaking and figure out how we can smooth that stuff out energetically so that the energy is flowing in and out of this area of their life instead of you know getting stuck and um, bringing shame and self-doubt and self-sabotage and fear and all that stuff that kind of keeps us paralyzed and stuck and far from what we're wanting. 
So I think we've just been through <laughs> so much. There's, I'm feeling all this energy just from the interview, and you've, you've given us so much. But I believe, uh, if it's okay with Jen and Kristen, that I ask the last question? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay, it's very important. Are you ready, Dina? Mm-hmm. What was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? <laughs> oh, the song I listened to all the time. I'm with my crying baby. It's the only one that makes him stop crying. And it is A Better Place by Rachel Platten. Aww. Oh, that's sweet. Aww. As soon what a as he hears it, he stops crying. But we're getting pretty sick of it at our house. <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine. Love the song, but we're going to be happy to move on. <laughs> Time to find a new happy song. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on our show today. You're a fantastic guest. Thank you, Margo. It was really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.